1918, a man traveled through the South with a portable electric chair. His name was Jonas Candide, and business was good. Good. He took pride in his work, and his customers were always satisfied. in the South. He's there, Jonas. Harold, I know, I know. Until one day, he became too involved with a client. You do something for me. And I'll do something for you. Now, what makes you think I'll do something for you? We got a problem. Her ass is just too good to cook. You want to come up with the money before the execution? And I know you'll think of a way. Well, Jeremy, tell me, how long has it been since you had a little nookie? Oh, he had been a long time. Ladies, this is Jeremy. it been since you had yourself a big hot screaming ear full of forgotten horrors <laughs> well that's too long pull in close now for a crepuscular half hour or so of the forgotten horrors podcast with your hosts john woolley michael h price and my own self wolf brand jack <laughs> Jack, and thank you, Michael H. Price. And Michael, I have to um, acknowledge that you're the guy who came up with the 
film that we're going to be talking about this time around on the podcast. Is it a favorite of yours? Because you mentioned it kind of came out of left field, and I never had really thought about that as a horror movie before. But boy, I've always well, thought of yeah. it as such, and it came out during that period of the uh, late 60s, early 70s, when the uh, relatively new R rating actually stood for serious, mature subject matter, right, right. as opposed to, you know, uh, diehard cheap thrills, uh-huh. Pop which, thrills. which weren't nearly as cheap, monetarily speaking, as, as the traveling executioner was, and it achieved so much on that minuscule budget. Uh, it was one of those pictures that flirted with an, an X rating, which meant uh, adults you know, yeah, over seven, over level. seventeen, wasn't it? Was that or right? Something, yeah, yeah, like that. Uh, uh, basically, uh, the the type of rating that uh, had been applied about the same time to Midnight Cowboy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mature subject matter, but not in the not not the connotation that X later came to achieve uh, against the wills of uh, the will of the of the ratings commission. More of the NC-17 idea, really. Well, that N 17 I used to joke that NC-17, no clod hoppers with an IQ of under 17. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, but the, but the, um, the X rating got co-opted by the pornographic racket. Right, right. And, and so the, the Motion Picture Association and its, its classification and ratings uh, administration uh, like what are we going to do what are we going to do well let's let's make some let's make let's pour out another can of alphabet soup and see what falls on the table hence <laughs> nc-17 uh-huh. uh, yeah yeah well readings you know i mean heck people people used to know instinctively what whether a, a picture was suitable for this or that audience well, and of course, also let's all give credit or, or or debit or credit or debit is due. Uh, we also had the production code up until that time too. Oh yeah, yeah. So you had that I, going on as well. There was there was a there was a. Uh, uh, I, I hesitate to use the term conspiracy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's being but, bandied but it about the, a lot these days. Yeah. Oh whoa whoa! Well, it, it's kind of kind of lost its. Authentic meaning, you know. I mean, if, right. if you plan a if you plan a, a surprise birthday party, that's a conspiracy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the uh, the the period of of that so called new freedom in the motion picture industry basically meant that the uh, Roman Catholic Church's oppressive legion of decency was losing its grip, death grip on Hollywood. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. And, and, and therefore, uh, therefore you had filmmakers coming forth like John Schlesinger, uh, uh well, gosh, like, like, uh, Jack Smite of, of the trial uh-huh. executioner were, uh, rather prompt to jump in, jump in line and, uh, start making these pictures that basically would not have been allowed in 1960. Right. And we're talking about 1970 here or a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so we should say, as Joey always likes for us to to do, do a little bit of a synopsis here, which is a Stacy Keach is playing a traveling executioner, a guy who goes around the South 
And this is set in 1918 or following the end of the First World War. And that mm-hmm. figures in because a couple of the uh, characters are uh, are German. And um, he's traveling around the South. And for a hundred, I believe it's a hundred dollars, he will execute people in his electric chair that also travels with him. <laughs> and never mind the fact that there were really no um, generators uh, in that particular time. So he really couldn't have done that. Uh, it would have been a steam-powered generator. Well, he had he had his own he had his own mechanisms. He did. Sheesh! I know. What, what a career! It's like <laughs> that in itself is a horrific concept. It is. Uh, it is because basically he's he's a respectably paid serial killer. Right. Right. Working, working with the government's uh, approval. And, and you know, so it's, so it's kind of like a bounty hunt, kind of like a Jonah Hex right. situation, except uh, except a formal executioner as opposed to a gunslinger, or a wanted, dead or alive, for that matter. Right, you know, well, Steve yeah, McQueen, exactly. sure. And, yeah, and 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 a and and significant that Keach's character is named Jonas Candide. Exactly, uh, which is, uh, 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 significant. Uh, not exactly subliminal, but subtle reference to the to the uh, to Voltaire's character uh-huh. Candide, the ultimate innocent at large in a cruel world. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, this to me is a, just a perfect example of a 1970s movie oh, with the yeah. anti-hero and you know Stacy Keach. I mean, people didn't wear their hair like that in. 1918, like Stacy, <laughs> he looks like a hippie boy from the late 1960s, and and some of the other characters do as well. It's got an anachronistic, weird quality, but from the very first frame, Michael, and this is so mm-hmm. true of so many 70s films. From the very first frame, you know this is not going to end well. Yeah, it's there's a there's a kind of a kind of an ecclesiastically fated quality to the film. I, That's I, a good way to put uh, it, yeah. Gone if it, it it's not, not a mood poem. No. <clears throat> not without its action, not its uh, wonderfully eccentric characters, em, uh, Emmett Walsh, for example. Yes. Uh, and, and Graham Jarvis. Oh, Graham who, Jarvis who, is great, who, isn't who, it? Who, Oh my gosh! I mean, he he would have been the perfect Casper Milk Toast mm-hmm. in another play. Time, uh, it plays plays the uh, plays Doc, uh, not to be confused with Doc Adams, but uh, uh, but a a classic Western archetype, right? Uh, and then of course there's the would be apprentice played by Bud Court, who's mm-hmm. like another another uh, basically looks like a a heavy prototype. He does, and nothing screams 1970s movies more than Bud Court. <laughs> Bud Court's, and it's called Michael J. Pollard. It's the same kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Same sort of character, and it's just, it's just a, 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 an interesting and very almost. And I got to thinking about this the other day. It's almost an extension of film noir. You know, where you yes. had in, in the 40s, it's like that same sort of, I don't know, hopelessness or 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 uh, depression or whatever you want to call it. But there was just a time there in the 70s when no film ended well. And this is certainly the case with The Traveling Executioner, which starts, 
you know, with with a woman being in in, in incarcerated, yep. and uh, which is, by the way, Mariana Hill, whom we've talked about earlier with Messiah of Evil. Mm-hmm. The same year she made Messiah of Evil, which was seventy three. She also made High Plains Drifter. Uh-huh. And Eastwood, which is not a bad little horror film in itself when you really get to it. And she was an Elvis girl from Paradise Hawaiian style. Uh-huh. And I have to say, apropos of nothing, she is also General Norman Schwarzkopf's cousin. Whoa. New one on me. <laughs> the architect of Operation Desert Storm is Marietta Hill's cousin. So Whoa. insert your six degrees of separation there. Uh, but she, you know, she should have been, she, she, she should have been a pretty big star. And she really, she, she worked. I mean, she kept working, but she, to be in a, a Z picture like Messiah of Evil and, and basically an A picture because Clint Eastwood was really killing him in 73 and High Plains Drifter, uh-huh. make it the same year. I mean, maybe she just, you know, she was just a working actor, I guess. She's the, she's the, the ideal example of our pal Clue Gulliger's yes. uh, observation. Actors mm-hmm. act. Actors act. And may Clue rest in peace. In fact, if anyone's listening to this um, from Oklahoma, and, and as a matter of fact, you can get it online, but uh, my next Oklahoma Magazine column, which will be coming out in the, uh, what is it, September and the November issue, will be about Clue. And, yeah. and uh, he was a friend of mine. And, and uh, of course, he passed away here. To, and he was a nonagenarian and uh, and passed away here not too long ago, just a few weeks ago. And what a wonderful guy. But he that's exactly right. Actors act. And, you know, people used to say that about Bela Lugosi. They said that's why um, Bela Lugosi kind of had a checkered career. He came from the stage in Hungary. Where on the stage you would play in one play, you would be the protagonist and the hero and the, and the main figure. And then another, you'd be a spear carrier. And he, and he kind of brought that with him yeah. to, uh, to the movies, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe exactly. that was Marianna Hill's thing as well, who is well, still around, it, I understand. It, it's, it's, it's so funny. Uh, Stacey Keach, of course, uh, like our mutual acquaintance, John Carradine, yes. uh, brought to the screen a an academic Shakespearean background uh-huh. uh, capable of doing the classical line reading as well as anybody more associated with the legitimate stage. And uh, Keats would take his movie paydays, whether the picture was small or large, and invest them in symposiums to bring Shakespeare to the masses. Just like Just Carradine, like Carradine was doing. exactly. Yeah. Carradine did that. Yeah, he would play in those crazy monogram PRC pictures, and then he would take that money and and take a a, a, a Shakespearean company out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then when he got a big studio thing, you know, Keach or Carradine, right? Uh, that was that. Uh, he did not live. Neither 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 man has lived like a movie star. Right. Right, uh, again, like that, an actor. That, yeah, that that Gulliger observation about mm-hmm. the working actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, or or as or as Irma Thomas would say, "Take it where you find it and give it everything." <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, the 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 director Jack Smite is a pretty interesting character. He did some big pictures uh, for our purposes. Uh, the Illustrated Man, 
was one of his, <laughs> as well oh, yeah. as, yeah, as well in 1969, as well as in 1972, a made-for-TV film called The Screaming Woman with Olivia de Havilland. Uh -huh. Now, both of those pictures uh, were uh, inspired by stories by Ray Bradbury. Yep. So Schmidt has this kind of Ray, Bar Ray Bradbury connection. He also did four episodes of The Twilight Zone when his career was just starting in the late 50s, early 60s. And one of them is that, uh, that Christmas show, Night of the, uh, Night of the uh, Meek. Remember that uh -huh. with Art Carney as Santa Claus? Right. Ooh, yeah. And he gets fired and, and all of that. That, that's a, that's, a, that's one that Jack Smite did as well. So he had a little bit of a, he had a little bit of a, uh, uh, immersion in the genre, as it were. And, uh, he really did after these, this kind of spate of films in the early seventies, he went back to the, uh, he went back to made for TV stuff a lot, although he did sure. do features as well but he has an interesting touch and this is an interesting film it's a kind of a it's one of those films you're not sure whether to laugh or cry right <laughs> that's deliberate yes yes it is deliberate it's it's it's, it's probably one of those laughing to keep from crying <laughs> right right and, yeah. or as our yeah the robust portrayals by everybody yes i mean each could carry the show all by himself, but he's too generous an actor to allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. And he is surrounded by strong supporting talents who make him look even better in, in that he's not the dominant character played by a, an actor who refuses to dominate the film. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful combination and, and, uh, you know, I could go on. Uh, uh, the warden, em Emmett Walsh's warden, uh -huh. uh, Graham Jarvis's Doc Priddle, uh -huh. Jimmy, the character played by Bud Court. They're all as strong. The Mariana Hill character, the condemned prisoner, uh -huh. is no shrinking violet. No, the German prisoner, <laughs> too. You know, yes, yeah, she was, yes. you know, I just, just had been at war with America, uh, her country. And so there's yeah. that. To figure in this was written by a 22 year old usc film student named uh, gary bateson he submitted uh -huh. uh, to uh, uh to one of his professors and got it sold and uh and he didn't really much do much after that i think that's his only feature film he did a couple of tv shows after that but it was kind of a one-shot deal for him the film did not do well at the box office as no, i understand no, it no no it was it it asked <laughs> It really asks too much of the audience, uh, unless the <laughs> yeah. audience is willing to basically play along with the film instead of expecting it to answer all the questions. Well, and again, there is it is that whole seventies anti-hero deal too. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Stacey Stacey Keach. himself called the uh, script a black comedy. Who called it that? The screenwriter, Gary Bates. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So it's, it's uh, so it, it's, it's uh, a foregone conclusion. Um, as, as the saying goes, uh, satire dies on Saturday night. Satire dies what dies on. That's exactly right. And you know, it also I, it puts me in mind of what my friend Mike McQuay, my, my great uh, late friend Mike McQuay always used yeah. to say the funny parts are the sad parts. 
Mm-hmm. And in this picture, that's really true. You know, there's a one, and I think it's a, it's a real set piece when he's strapping a guy into the chair and he's talking about how he's going to go to the fields of ambrosia and all yep. of this after that, that in the nineties, a musical was made with this as the basis that played, uh, some play, maybe Boston here and then it played in London for a while, never made it to Broadway, but the musical was called fields of ambrosia. And it was based on it was based on the traveling executioner. So there, a musical version. I don't. It wasn't as much of a flop as the Carrie musical, the one based on the movie Carrie. But <laughs> it uh, it actually, but it did not do well. Uh, but it was a musical called Fields of Ambrosia, which which is a very interesting thing to pick up on from the. Mm-hmm, from the mm-hmm. uh, well, there is an. Uh, there is an operatic resonance to the film. Yes, yes, there is. There is absolutely. It's it's larger than life in so many ways, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, it's 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 certainly worth a look. I and mean, there are some. It certainly has its fans. And I know you're one of them. And and Joey and I watched it. And what do you think, Joey? Uh, I I really like. Yeah, it. it's really something. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> That seventies depressing stuff is, is is what you enjoy, yeah. So, but it's uh, it's it's definitely worth a look, and uh, and a lot of people haven't looked at it, and uh, you can get it. You can't. You have to pay for it. We had to buy it on. What did we do? We did uh, Amazon Prime, wasn't it? Oh yeah, three dollars on Amazon, and it's certainly worth your three dollars on Amazon Prime. Well, it's so. it also seems to be in rotation on uh, Turner Classic Movies. Oh, it is. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Good. I didn't know that. But right. you can't exactly predict when it's going to show up. Right, right, right. You take a, a dealer's choice on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I want to mention, now that we're into the, 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 the plugging portion of the show, I want to mention that uh, my book, Old Fears, that I did with Ron Wolf, we have had a contest online. And we've got, uh, we're doing some flash fiction. People, we ask people to send in their old fears. And we pick six old fears that they sent in. And we had a bunch of, uh, of entries. And uh, picked six old fears. And Ron Wolf and I are working on those. Now we're going to release those kind of one at a time online. If you want to know more about that, I have a website, www.johnwoolley.com. Uh, and you can subscribe to my newsletter there, and it's free of uh, of extra cost, as they used to say. Mm-hmm. And it's it's free to do that. And uh, I would uh, would if you're interested in those sorts of things and the kinds of things that Michael and I talk about here on uh, on the uh, Forgotten Horrors podcast, then you might enjoy it. And Michael, what about you? And uh, the stuff that you have out there that people might want to take a look at. Oh well, uh, uh, I would first encourage uh, everybody in earshot to. Uh, get onto the Facebook Forgotten Horrors yes, podcast page absolutely, and yeah, take yeah. part. You know, I mean, uh, we uh, there is a degree of interactivity here, uh-huh. and uh, it's mainly triggered by one's participation in the Facebook page, uh, Forgotten Horrors podcast, uh-huh. uh, where you can make, uh, you know, make suggestions or ask questions or Pose non-negotiable demands, in whatever suits <laughs> your fantasy. That's right. That's and exactly. uh, that's uh, we we always we always enjoy communing with the folks who keep us in business. 
That's right. Absolutely. And we do appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate everybody who who listens to the podcast, whether you uh, respond or not. If you have anything to say to us about that, again, as Michael said, go on the uh, go on the uh, the Forgotten Horrors Facebook page or you can uh, write me at my uh, at my website. And next time, a film that is not what you would call in the in the um, of the stature of the status of the traveling executioner it's a regional horror picture Mm. made in your state michael price of texas called night fright (laughs) from 1967 and uh we'll be we'll be working on that one uh next time around meanwhile any closing words michael oh just uh, you know keep them flying as we always say (laughs) exactly Uh, that's the, that's the only way to only way to prevail is to uh, keep all keep all those keep all those juggled balls up in the air, uh, except for the few that you manage to hold for a few seconds. That's exactly right. And we want to thank everybody again. We've been doing this how many years, Joe? You got any idea? It's been many years, right? It's it's been maybe ten years, twelve years. Ten years. Like of, a, ten years of that. You have to go back into the files, but. Of course, uh, a year past the thing when you're having fun. Right. Yeah, that's right. A year passes like nothing, as the fabulous furry freak brothers used to say. (laughs) So there you go. Hey, thanks, Michael. We'll see you next time around, pal. Delighted.